Thank you for listening to this message from Faith Builders. Pastors Philip and Michelle Still are dedicated to building your faith and framing your world by the Word of God. There are many more resources available on our website, www.buildfaith.net, where you can find links to our audio and video archives. We also invite you to join us online for our live stream services. Remember to build your faith and frame your world by the Word of God. Anointed with authority. And uh, uh, I've been saying that, that the Lord's been talking to me more about, we, you know, we spent 21 uh, or so weeks talking about authority back last year or year before last. And I have a friend in Cedar Rapids, Iowa that uh, has been ministering and, and talking about authority and, and he and I discussed some things. But the, the point that, that I keep bringing out is that, uh, you know, we're dealing with these elements of authority uh, that uh, cause authority to operate. And, you know, every generation, I don't believe that Brother Hagin got everything out about authority that he wanted to get out. I believe he left the earth too early. Uh, Charles Capps, if you ever listen to Charles Capps much, he talked a lot about the kingdom of God, a lot about authority. He wrote the book, Authority in Three Worlds. And uh, talked a lot about authority. Uh, and so every generation uh, has a revelation. And, you know, the, the generations that follow them have to pick it up and, and get it to the generation they're a part of. And God will show more as He does that, as they pick it up. And so the Lord told me some years ago, He said, if you stay with your fathers, you'll stay safe. And so here's my point. Is I went back and, and, and my pastor taught a lot on the kingdom of God, a lot on the kingdom, taught a lot on authority and ownership. And when God gave him that revelation about ownership, uh, people to this day still don't understand. And I've been around people uh, that don't understand it. And uh, when God gave him that revelation about ownership, he called a friend of his in the ministry and said, you know, the Lord showed me this about ownership. And the minister said, well, I, I don't know, go own something. I mean, he, he didn't understand it. And, and so here's the point. He said, so I really quit talking about it because people weren't understanding it. Amen. But here's the point that I want to make. is So I went back and I thought, I'm, I'm, I'm going to make sure that we're hitting on these, these elements of authority that cause it to work. Because most Word of Faith believers will tell you they have authority. Oh, yes, I have authority over the devil and demons and everything, over serpents and scorpions and all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall by any means hurt me. Don't know why my finances won't work. Why am I sick in my body? My kids are just going to hell in a hand. But they have authority and power over all the power of the enemy. Right? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Every believer has been anointed with authority. Every believer. But in order to operate in the authority I've been given, I have to understand authority as a whole. I've got to understand the, the whole concept. I will never operate in authority until I understand God's thoughts on authority. Amen. And what happens is many try to operate in authority thinking their own thoughts about authority. And, and you can never do that, all right? If I don't think God's thoughts about authority, then I can't operate that authority. And we said something Wednesday night, and I'm gonna, I, I just pressed pause Wednesday, and we'll just press pause this morning because there's, we, we can't just move away from it. But I made a statement. The devil is not so much afraid of us as preaching, of preaching the Word as he is us being subject to the authority of Christ. The enemy is not so much afraid of us preaching the word as he is us becoming subject to the authority of Christ, to the authority of the word. There are people that preach the word that the word doesn't govern their life. There are believers that will confess the word, but they're not under the subjection of the authority of the word. When we make the statement and say the word of God is the final authority, that means that's what governs your life, is what the word says in any area. 
If the Word says you're healed, that's the authority you bring yourself under. If, if, right? if the Word says you give and it will be given to you, that's the authority you bring yourself under. You subject yourself to that authority. Amen. That's why our words are so important. Because anytime somebody, a, a believer says something like, I don't know what's wrong, we're so broke, we can't pay attention, nothing ever works out, they have just rebelled against the authority. Because they've spoken against God's Word. Amen. Do, do, do you see that? And so he's not so much afraid of us preaching the Word as he is us coming under the subjection of the authority of Christ, under the subjection of the Word. The, the enemy is not so much afraid that you're going to get something today, but that you will submit yourself to the authority of it and cause it to work in your life. Because that, that's, that's where the victory is found. Amen. Obedience to God's will is the greatest demand in the Bible. And we talk about how the Word is the will of God. The Word is the will and the will is the Word. Obedience to God's will is the greatest demand in the Bible. It's not sacrifice. It's not offerings. It's obedience to His will. When, when Saul, when the Lord told Saul to go and destroy Amalek, Amen. Because of what they did when Israel first came into the land. It says that Saul went, and sure enough, he did. He judged the land. He, he destroyed quite a, a bit of those people. But he, he kept the best of the, of the animals, and he brought back the king, right? And Samuel met him, and Saul said, Behold, I have done the will of the Lord. And you remember Samuel said, well, what is, what's the sound of sheep I hear? And what did you bring this king back? Amen. And Samuel said to Saul, he said, don't you know obedience is better than sacrifice? So he said, we brought the best back to sacrifice. And God said, I don't care if it's the best. It wasn't a sacrifice I wanted. It was your obedience. See, you submit yourself to the will of God. That's what God wants for me. I'm going to submit myself to the obedience of God's will. Amen. Hallelujah. Do, do you see that? It can be the best sacrifice in the world, but it's not obedience. Oh, glory. Hallelujah. Do, do you see that? Now... That's the greatest demand in the Bible. And, and people try to substitute it. They try to do something else instead of what God said. And, and, and you just can't do that. Because you violate authority. Because if God says, I desire this, and I do this, I'm not under His authority. So we talked about some keys to operating in authority. And we're going to hit them briefly before we get into... Uh, what I have to say today. Uh, number one, have a spirit of obedience. The keys to operating in authority. Have a spirit of obedience. Notice in Ephesians 2.2. The Apostle Paul, it's a very familiar scripture, but he talks here and he says that wherein in time past you walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air. Notice the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience. That's not the spirit you want. Amen. I, I want to have a spirit of obedience. Amen. Amen. Lord, whatever you ask, that's what I'm going to do. Yeah. Amen. Amen. That, it's a key to exercising authority. Uh, in Romans 6, we'll run through these rather quickly. Romans 6 Verse 16, he says, Do you not know that whom you yield yourselves servants to obey, his servants you are to whom you obey, rather of sin unto death or obedience, oh, notice, obedience unto righteousness? But God be thanked, you were the servants of sin, but you have obeyed from the heart that form of doctrine which was delivered unto you. So, so notice he says that it's, it's sin unto death or obedience unto righteousness, but God be thanked, you obeyed from the heart. 
that doctrine that was delivered to you. You obeyed it. You obeyed it. Now, think about this. So, when the Bible says that you're the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus, you submit yourself to that, and you obey that, and it becomes a reality in your life. That's submitting yourself to the authority of God's Word. Well, I don't feel righteous. That's irrelevant. It's that you're submitting yourself to the, to the authority of God's Word. What God said about you is what you are. It's irrelevant what you feel. Amen. Feelings get in the way because they cause me to rebel against the authority. Amen. I mean, nobody would put up with the child saying, hey, hey, you say, did you do what I asked? No, I didn't feel like it. Excuse me? You didn't feel like it. <laughs> Amen. Now, you understand what I'm saying. Glory to God. <laughs> so you have the spirit of obedience. Number two, you practice obedience. We see it right here in chapter 6 of Romans, verse 19. I speak after the manner of men because of the infirmity of your flesh. For as you've yielded your members servants to uncleanness and to iniquity unto iniquity, even so now yield yourselves servants to righteousness unto holiness. Hallelujah. So you practice obedience. You do that on a consistent basis. Hallelujah. And we talked about how the death of Christ was the highest example of obedience that we have in the scriptures. Amen. Number three, learn to exercise delegated authority. These are keys to operating authority. Learn to exercise delegated authority. In Matthew 8, 5 through 10, you can write that down. We'll, we'll paraphrase it. Jesus, uh, they sent uh, from the centurion to Jesus and said, come and heal his servant. And, and you'll remember the gospels say, uh, the man was worthy for whom this should be done. But while he was going, the man sent uh, uh, an envoy and said, uh, uh, I'm not worthy that you should come under my roof, but speak the word only, right? Because I'm a man under authority. And I say to one, go, and he goes, to another, come, and he comes, to this one, do this, and he does it. Speak the word only, and my servant will be whole. Right? Learn to exercise delegated authority. The key to the centurion receiving was his understanding of authority and how delegated authority operates. Right? We taught about that in, in exercising your authority. He said, I say to one, go. And he goes. I tell another to come and he comes. Right? I understand how authority operates. If you say this, then it, if God said it, it will happen. But I've got, I've got to understand, I've got to operate in that delegated authority. Amen. Many are trying to exercise authority, but we have to understand the elements that the exercising or the operation of authority requires. Many are trying to serve God independently. Look at, look at 1 Timothy 6. They're trying to serve God independently. They've never been under authority. In 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 1, it says, Let as many servants as are under the yoke count their own masters worthy of all honor. Now, in verse 1, you read verse 1 and verse 2. In verse 1, he's talking about unbelieving masters. And he says, and the servants that he's dealing with are believers. And he says, let as many servants as are under the yoke count their own masters, unbelieving masters, worthy of all honor. It's the authority. It's the respect for the authority. All right? Now notice verse 2. And they that have believing masters. Now he's talking about believing masters. Believing bosses, we could say. Let them not despise them. Why? They're brethren. But rather do them service. Oh, hallelujah. Because they are faithful and beloved, partakers of the benefit. These things teach and exhort. So 
Paul's not only saying to Timothy, this is a good rule of thumb. He's saying, teach the church this. Amen. Amen. To honor your employee, your employers. Amen. Yeah, but what if they're not a believer? Verse 1, he said, show them honor. Even if they're an unbeliever. Amen. Now, people have a problem with that. And you'll hear people badmouth their job and badmouth their boss and badmouth bad mouth the leadership and then wonder why things don't go well. There's a reason you're not getting a raise. Oh, but I work hard. Yeah, but you're badmouthing the authority. And you can't discount the authority and expect to be blessed. Mm-hmm. Hallelujah. We'll talk about this more. That's, that's, that's why people want to call the president all kind of bad names and be ugly and talk ugly and run their mouth. Amen. There's a difference between saying somebody's not a believer and they don't see the things of God and being ugly. When you're ugly and you deride the authority, you're acting like the world. The Bible says that you should, be, you should be hesitant to speak against dignitaries. Because he said, the power that be, it's of God. <laughs> yeah, but that's, that's not my party. There, the problem with that is there's no party scripture. There's not a Republican part of the Bible or a Democrat part of the Bible. You see, this is part of submitting the most extensive information that we have about political leaders in the Bible is found when Paul told Timothy, I I desire first of all that you pray for all men. Right? That prayers, intercessions, giving of thanks be made for all men, for kings and all that are in authority, so that you may lead a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and honesty. That's the most extensive teaching that we have on political leaders in the entirety of the New Testament. And he doesn't say bad mouth, criticize, give your opinion. He says pray, intercede, supplicate, and seek God about it. Amen. Because you've got to learn to be under authority. See, that's a test. How you respond to that. Amen. And so he says, if you've got an unbelieving boss, show him honor. Show her honor. I, I, was, I was at a, a, a function with Lily the other day. And, and somebody was talking about their job. They got a job. They got a good job. They're giving them more hours than they want. And they're sitting there complaining. And I asked him finally, I said, where do you work? And he told me where he worked. Tremendous place here in the, in the metro area. You got a job. You got a good job. There are people struggling to make ends meet. And you got a good job. And you're bad-mouthing your job and your factory and your employer and talking about how they don't care about you. And you, you get a check every week. You got benefits. You are blessed. You understand what I'm saying? Hallelujah. Now that person can try to rebuke the devil and the devil won't go. Because they won't come under the authority of their employer. You can't use your words to badmouth the president and expect to speak blessings over yourself. I'll tell you what, these these people... You know, the Bible says, if you have faith, have it to yourself. If you have faith, have it to yourself. I just just get, get, get up to here with people discussing vaccine or not vaccine. I'm anti-vax. I'm pro-vax. I, you know, I, 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 I hate to wear a mask. People wearing masks. I hate. Listen, the Bible says if you have faith, have it to yourself. 
If you care about people, maybe you don't believe you need to wear a mask. But if somebody's around you that's wearing one, maybe you shouldn't get as close to them. Maybe you need to think about them and not get close and make them uncomfortable. If you know somebody that doesn't believe in, in the vaccine, then maybe you just need to keep your mouth shut about it. If you know people that are pro-vaccine, maybe you just need to keep your mouth shut about it. You have faith? Have it to yourself. Amen. Oh, glory to God. You, you need to understand something. If you get on Google, you can, find, you can Google anything and find your opinion. You can find somebody that will agree with you. Ever how, how lame-brained or scatterbrained your opinion may be. Or ever how logical it may be. And you can find somebody with MD or DD or PhD or wee 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 or whatever it is on the end of their name or you understand? That will agree with your position. Well, I was on Google and I found a doctor and he said, you don't even know him. You don't even know him. But yet you're telling what he said and making your decision. Now, you understand why I'm saying this? Because you can't do that. You can't badmouth people that believe different than you and then expect to operate in authority. You want your family to stay well? Don't badmouth people. Amen. Amen. You want your life to be fruitful? Don't use your mouth to tear somebody else down. Because there's going to come a time that you've got to stand up against something and you want all of your authority. Oh, glory to God. Somebody ought to shout. You want all of your authority operating for you. I want it all operating for me. Amen. Well, you know, there's an agenda. I, listen, there's an agenda for everything. I have an agenda today to get this word into you. Hallelujah. Amen. Yeah, but you know, it's all about money. Well, of course, it's worldly people. It's the love of money. It makes people do ugly things. Follow the money and you'll find the source. Well, what are you going to do? Amen. I'll tell you what, I went to that restaurant and they said, you got to wear a mask. I'm not going back down there to them people. Listen, just don't go there anymore. Don't run your mouth. Hallelujah. Because you'll, you'll undermine your authority. Well, if they just believe God. Wait a minute. Do you want people saying that about you? When, when you have a need, when you're going through something, well, if he just believed God, you don't want that. The Bible says we as believers that we come along and we help one another and we edify one another. I don't know why you're dealing with what you're dealing with, but my job is not to come along beside you and say, here's your problem. You don't have faith. You don't know the word. You don't know how to believe God. My job is to come along and say, look, where can I get in here and pull with you? How can I help you see what God wants you to have? That, that is exercising my authority. Glory be to God. Amen. And I'm, I might as well, I'm here, I might as well say something else. I, I get, I get, folks, we, we have this issue. And I'm not preaching politics, but, but we have this issue. When, when you look at, at let's, let's, now, now I'm not preaching pro-vaccination or anti-vaccination, but I need you to see this. When you look at the numbers... The, the, the groups of people that are highly anti-vaccine are what the world calls minorities. African Americans are number one. Hispanics are number two. Right? Both of those groups are highly democratic flavored. I'm not saying there's anything wrong with that. I'm just saying that's the truth. Is that the truth? Google it. But here, here's, 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 here's the thing. Here's the thing. And so you've got a Democratic Party, a Democratic 
administration that's pushing the vaccine, but you got groups of people that will say, I'm not going to do it because it was developed under Mr. Trump. But then you got Christians. that are talking about how unsafe it is, yet it was developed under their golden boy. It makes no sense. Here's the issue. Nobody's making their own decision. Nobody's being led by their spirit. They're just doing what they're heard, what they hear. They're just doing what somebody else tells them. Folks, it, 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 it is not my place to tell you what to do. That's not my job. You do what you're led to do. What I'm trying to get across to you today is that you don't want to be found in a place of tearing somebody down because you need your authority. You need your authority. Amen. Hallelujah. Well, you know, what do you, what do you say about the, the leader or, you know, if they're, if they're not a believer? <laughs> Lord, save them. Show them the light. Yeah, but they're making dumb decisions. I know, just like all of us have. We've all made dumb decisions. Theirs have a little more repercussions. I didn't intend to spend that long on that, but you understand? A lot of people are trying to operate independently. And they're trying to operate authority and they've never been under authority. Amen. Oh, glory. In order to operate authority, I have to be under authority. I have to be submitted to authority. See, that's God's thoughts about authority. Look at, look at Romans 13. Romans 13. And you know, even if you believe somebody is a little weaker in faith than you, the Bible says you that are strong, you ought to bear the infirmities of the weak. And Paul said this, he said, if meat causes my brother to be offended, I won't eat meat as long as the world stands. Hallelujah. Oh, glory. Amen. There are people that you can talk to with a mask on, they'll listen to you about Jesus. Amen? Hallelujah. If, if, if you'll keep out of the political... I am telling so many pastors. I text the pastors in our fellowship this morning, and I said, your pulpit is not to get up and preach on the latest political thing or the latest headline. The people are coming to hear the Word. They're coming to hear what the Bible says about their victory. Now get up and preach the Word. Get up and preach the Word. Amen. Romans 13 and verse 1. Let every soul... Most souls. Every. 90%. No, every. Let every soul be subject unto the higher powers. For there is no power but of God. The powers that be are ordained of God. Mm. Now when you read that, he's talking about political powers. And... Although some leaders don't believe in God, the principle remains the same. Be subject unto the higher powers. Now, there are things we don't agree with and things we stand against. We stand against abortion. We stand against same-sex marriage. We stand against transgenderism. And meaning that that doesn't mean we don't love people that are involved in that. It means that we, we, we... Say from the Word of God that that's not God's best for your life. That that is not a biblical view. Is that right? But yet we're subject to the higher power. I disagree with you, but I'm subject to the higher power. Now, that, that's important. Because some believers don't believe in God. But the principle of honor and submitting to authority stays the same. Amen. Rebellion produces a loss of power. Rebellion produces a loss of power. In uh, 2 Peter chapter 2. 2 Peter chapter 2. 
See, because we, we need our prayers hitting on all cylinders. We, we need what we say happening. Second Peter chapter 2 and verse 10. Well, let's start in verse 9 to get our complete context. The Lord knows how to deliver the godly out of temptations and reserve the unjust under the day of judgment to be punished. But chiefly them that walk after the flesh in the lust of uncleanness and despise governments or dominions is what it means. Presumptuous are they, self-willed, not afraid to speak evil of dignities. Mm. Dignities are authority. The Goodspeed translation says they're not afraid to despise authority. And Peter said that when a person rebels against authority, notice he said they are arrogant, self-willed, and presumptuous. Amen. See, agreeing and honoring are two different things. I don't have to agree with you to honor you. And I don't honor you by agreeing with you. See, that's what a lot of the church thinks. That if we want to reach the world, we got to agree with the world. Hmm, no. No. Ne- ne- never going to happen. I honor the office even though I may disagree. But Peter said, notice, he said, when you rebel against authority... That there's an arrogance there. There's a self-will there. Remember we, we said obedience is better than sacrifice because sacrifice has the element of self-will. I'll sacrifice if I want. I won't if I don't. Where obedience is, I'll do it whether I want to or not. Amen. Look at, look at Ephesians 5. Because he talks about this in the home. See, these are those elements that will cause your authority to work. Ephesians 5 and 22. Wives, submit yourselves unto your own husbands as unto the Lord. Why? For the husband's the head of the wife. Even as Christ is the head of the church and he is the Savior of the body. The husband is the delegated authority of Christ. Amen. Hmm. The wife represents representing the church. That's God's thoughts on authority. Amen. So it says, submit to that authority. Is that, let's read it again. Submit to that authority as unto the Lord. Now, I know I'm, t- I'm talking to men that don't believe in being overbearing and, 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 and authoritarian. I, I understand that. In any circumstance, in any situation, there, in, in any home, there has to be the head and there has to be those that are following. Somebody has to be the spiritual leader. Somebody has to be that one that has been delegated authority by God. You know, we, we get up and we preach a lot about how husbands and, and, and dads are going to give an account uh, to God for their home. Why? Because we're the authority. Because we've been given delegated authority by God to lead that home. Not to be a, a, a tyrant, not to, not to be overbearing, but to lead my family, to lead my kids to Christ, to cover my wife with the love of God, to lead, to lead. And he says, wives, here's what you do. Submit to that authority. Amen. And I've had Christian women, you know, talk about, well, what if I got a sinner husband? It doesn't say if he's a believer. Now, there are things you don't do. I mean, if he tells you not to come to church, you don't violate Scripture to do what he asks you. Because the Bible says, don't forsake the assembling of yourself together. But here's here's my point. Notice this. The husband's the delegated authority of Christ. The wife represents the church. It's difficult for a wife to submit to her husband when she doesn't see the delegated authority that's vested in him by Christ. 
Yeah, but he's not this and he's not doing this and he's not... That, that's why you pray for him. That's why you seek God for him. That's why you pray and intercede that God will show him, that God will change him because he is the delegated authority. Oh, hallelujah. The husband has to see it as well. You know, Peter said this. He said, he said that you should not let the sun go down upon your wrath. And he made the statement. He was talking to husbands primarily. And he made this statement. He said, he said, don't let the sun go down on your wrath. Don't remain in an argument with your wife so that your prayers aren't hindered. Your prayers, a large part of your prayers is the element of the authority that you possess as a believer. And Peter said that having a grudge against my wife will stop my prayers from getting answered. Do you see that? I've, I've run into people before that they were just determined. They just knew God was going to do mighty things from, for them and, and husbands and, and wives and men and women and they just knew God was going to do great things and every time they got together they just disagreed, they just fussed, they just argued and if they'd give me half an opportunity I'd say God's not going to do anything with you. God's not going to do anything with you. Because you won't submit to the authority. You won't walk together like God said to walk. That, that, that frustrates the authority in my life. Hallelujah. I had, I had to learn that. I had to learn that. I had to learn that early on in my marriage. Hallelujah. That to the extent I want God to use me is the extent that I have to walk in love in my home. Amen. Oh, glory. Now, you thought we were going to talk about casting out devils and, and moving mountains. We're going to get there, but we've got to deal with this stuff first. I, I would be reticent as a pastor to tell you about all the authority you have over the devil and to move mountains and to cast out demons and not tell you that you've got to submit one to another if you're married. And not tell you that the Bible says to us as the body of Christ that we submit to each other so our authority can function. Amen? Hallelujah. So the issue is God's authority, not her husband. Mm. All he wants to do is sit around all day. He don't want to do nothing. He won't help with the kids and he won't this and he won't that and he won't whatever. Well, now, now, wait a minute. That might be true, but those words are hurting you. I've had, I've had women come up in this church. Nobody in here. Just make note of that. I've had women come up and, and badmouth their husband to me and then tell me how they couldn't hear from God. And no wonder. You're not going to hear from God if you're badmouthing the head. Moving right along. It's just not going to happen. You can't, you can't be ugly toward the person that you are one with. Do you realize when you're talking about your husband, you're talking about you? And when you're talking about your wife, you're talking about you? When you call your husband stubborn, you're calling you stubborn? Because you're one, you can't be separated. Don't call me stubborn. I'm not stubborn. He's the stubborn one. But that's hurting me. Oh, glory to God. Hmm. I know what you're thinking. Hurry and get to the pause button. <laughs> right? It's so important. It's so important. Hallelujah. I'm called to ministry. Bless God. I'm called to minister. I'm called to be a prophet to the nations. Can't do nothing with that woman. No. No, you might be called, but you're never going to get there. Amen. Amen. Oh, glory. Let's go to Titus 2. Titus chapter 2. Titus chapter 2. Because uh, uh, the, 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 the issue, again, is God's authority and not her husband. You know, Smith Wigglesworth went through a time when he kind of got cold uh, in the Lord. He was a plumber. And, you know, he started his ministry while he was a plumber, and he kind of got cold, and the Lord, he had a lot of jobs and a lot of work that he was doing, and, and he wasn't able to go to church like he was and, and wasn't in the Word like he was. And his wife, Polly, of course, she was heavily involved in the church, and she came home one night, and uh, he told her, you know, you're not, you're, not, you're not going to church tonight. And she said, uh, 
uh, well, you know, Smith, I love you with all my heart. You're my husband, but I will be going to church tonight. And he said, if you, if you go to church tonight, when you come home, the door will be locked. And uh, sure enough, she went to church, and he locked the door and went to bed. She came home, the door was locked. So she sat down on the porch and went to sleep. And the next morning, he, he came. He was fumbling around to get the, the lock unlocked, and it, and it woke her up, and she stood up and, and fixed herself, and he opened the door, and she walked in and said, Good morning, love. What would you like for breakfast? <laughs> Put her out of the house. She'd been out on the porch all night and came home and fixed his breakfast. And he said, It broke me. It broke me. It showed me in my backslidden condition where I was with God. And he went fast and prayed and got his, his heart back right with God. But here's the point. What if, what, if, what if she would have walked in? How dare you? How dare you lock me out of the house? How? Ah! We might not have ever heard of Smith Wigglesworth. <laughs> Amen. Now that's an extreme example. But it's so important. Titus chapter 2 verse 4. It's talking about the church, talking about in the church and in the house, that they may teach the young women to be sober, to love their husbands, to love their children, to be discreet, chaste, keepers at home, obedient to their husbands, that the word of God's not blasphemed. Notice that. Love their husbands. I've heard people preach, well, the Bible never says for wives to love their husbands. Just said it. Love their husbands, and then notice, be obedient to their husbands. Now, see, that doesn't fly in our American mindset a lot. Why? Because I'm a woman. Right? Because I can bring home the bacon and fry it up in the pan. Right? Now, that was our before Christ days, but you understand. Hallelujah. There's a, there's a hierarchy. There's a reason. Amen. The, the Bible says that God held Adam accountable because Adam was created first and given the, given the dictate, given the rules of what was supposed to happen. And because Adam was not in his position of authority, Eve was deceived by the enemy. If the head had been where he should have been over the body, the enemy wouldn't have had a chance. And the Bible says, in Paul's writings, he says, Adam wasn't deceived. Eve was deceived. Adam did it willingly. Hallelujah. So notice what he says. He says, love their husbands, be obedient to their husbands. Why? That's, that's the authority structure. Now, in the church, uh, let's look at Hebrews 13, 17. There's so much that I could give you right here, but this will suffice. We'll get to the other verses in another lesson, I'm sure. Hebrews 13 and 7. Remember them that have the rule over you, who have spoken unto you the word of God, whose faith follow, considering the end of their conversation. Then verse 17, Obey them that have the rule over you and submit yourselves, for they watch for your souls as they that must give an account, that they may do it with joy and not with grief, for that's unprofitable for you. Oh, hallelujah. Do you see that? It says, Those in the church that have the rule over you, submit yourselves. Why? They watch for your souls as those that must give an account that they may do it with joy and not with grief, for that's unprofitable for you. The last part of that verse says that the pastors will have to give an account about you to God. And he said, submit so that it'll be a joyful account. It'll be a joyful account. Amen. Do, do you see this? Why? This is authority. Somebody leads, somebody follows. In the church. That's important. You, you can't rebel against the authority at church 
and talk about the leadership at church and expect to go operate in your authority. You can't have your attitude fit against the leaders in the church and then expect to operate in authority in your life. You can't be snide and flippant and arrogant and then expect to operate in authority. Amen. Glory to God. I, I used to have a guy that he wanted to get mad and, and throw a fit every time you would correct him and then wonder why things weren't going right in his life. I had to deal with him about something one time and I thought he was going to cuss. I mean, he went, he went full out Yosemite Sam. I mean, he was doing his best. He, had, he, was, he was crimping the cuss button. He was... I want to tell him, go ahead and cuss. I won't tell nobody. <laughs> Amen. But then it was always there was a reason. Well, yeah, I did. I got mad, but here's why. You see this? When a person rejects authority, the reason is irrelevant. Now, you understand I'm talking about biblical authority and in a biblical context. Amen. Hallelujah. And, 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 I, and I've got to watch that. And he said, he said, notice, it's submit yourselves. Why? They watch for your soul. Amen. Now, in the spiritual world, 2 Peter 2, 2 Peter 2, in the spiritual world, I've only got about 10 minutes on this part. 2 Peter 2 and verse 10. Notice this. It says, But chiefly them that walk after the flesh in the lust of uncleanness, despise governments, uh, uh, presumptuous are they, self-willed, not afraid to speak evil of dignities, whereas angels, which are greater and power and might, bring not railing accusation against them before the Lord. So in other words, he's saying there are these believers that are, 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 are talking derogatorily about these authorities and even angels that are greater in might won't do that. Oh, hallelujah. Michael, Jude chapter 1 verse 9, you'll remember Michael, under authority, said the Lord rebuke you. It says that, that Michael, when he was disputing with Satan about the body of Moses, dared not bring a railing accusation against him. The word is a condemning statement. He did not condemn him or pass judgment on him. He said, the Lord rebuke you. Amen. Well, well, why did he do that? Number one, he's under the delegated authority of God. And number two, at that time, Satan had the keys of death. He, 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 he was operating under authority that was given to him by Adam. And Michael recognized that, whether it's just and whether it's lawful or not, he has that authority. And I, I'm, I'm not, I'm not going to get into running him down and calling him all kind of names. I'm, the Lord rebuke you. Amen. He didn't pronounce sentence on him. He said, the Lord rebuke you. That's why the Bible says that when somebody does you wrong, don't take vengeance. Because God said, vengeance is mine. Amen? Now, now that goes back to submitting to the authority of God. Submitting to the authority of God. Well, I'll tell you what, after what that person did to me, I'll tell you. No, 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 don't do that. Don't do that. Submit to the authority of God, which is what? Bless those that curse you. Pray for them that despitefully use and persecute you. If your enemy asks you to go a mile with him, go too. If he asks for your coat, give him your shirt. Isn't that what Jesus said? So see, if I'm submitting to the authority, if I'm submitting to the authority of the Word of God, then that's what I'll do. And then when I need to exercise my authority, it'll be there. 
That's why, remember what the Bible says in Mark chapter 11, uh, uh, 22 through 25? That is as much about authority as it is about faith. And it says that, yes, you can speak to the mountain and the mountain will move if you believe in your heart and don't doubt. But then verse 25 says, and when you stand praying, if you have all against any, forgive. So your heavenly Father will forgive you. In other words, you can speak to the mountain, but if you're out of, out of whack over here, the mountain's not going to move till you fix that. Because my words have to be used to get forgiveness into that situation before they can be used to move the mountain. Oh, glory to God. Do you see that? Amen. Well, I've been rebuking the devil. I've been rebuking the devil. I've been telling the devil to go. I've been rebuking the devil. And you know, people right away say, well, then he went. In some cases, maybe he didn't. I'm not causing you to doubt the word. I'm, say, I'm saying if, if there's an element of unforgiveness in a person's life, the devil didn't go because he knows he didn't have to. Why does the enemy try to get you into unforgiveness? Because then he knows when you tell him to do something, he don't have to do it. Why? Because I'm not forgiving. Remember Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 30? Be kind one to another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God for Christ's sake has forgiven us. And Paul went on to say, when he wrote to the other church, he said, I want, in Corinthians, he said, I want you to forgive this man because we're not ignorant of Satan's devices. And if you don't forgive him as a church, you're going to give the devil a doorway into your church. And this is the church that had works a million. They had so much tongues and interpretation and prophecy and gifts of the Spirit going on that Paul had to spend the biggest part of a book, two chapters, telling them how to have order in the church. There were so many gifts of the Spirit going on. And they wouldn't forgive this guy. Amen. That's so important. Oh, hallelujah. Hallelujah. People say, well, what if, what if authority is wrong? Well, we deal with imperfect people. If God dares entrust His authority to men, we can dare obey. If God entrusted it to men, we can obey. Now, look at 1 Corinthians 12. The authority of the body. The authority of the body. Mm, hallelujah. You remember Brother Hagin told the story and he said that he was in a meeting one time and uh, that a, a family that they had been acquainted with, that uh, they had went out to uh, dinner, they'd went out to lunch after church and when they sat down, the lady, the young lady looked at Brother Hagin and said, uh, 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 you've just, you just uh, uh, messed my thinking all up and Brother Hagin looked at her and said, no, you just messed up when I got here. He said, it wasn't, it wasn't me that messed up your thinking, it, it was the Word. And she said, well, you said in your sermon that he that hates his brother does not have the love of God and doesn't have the life of God living in him. And he said, no, that's not what I said, that's what the Word said. And she said, well, how do I reconcile that? Because I hate my mother-in-law. <laughs> and he said, well, first of all, he said, tell me, just say that, say, say it out loud and tell me. You know, say, I hate my mother-in-law. Tell me what's going on in your spirit. And she did. And, and he said, now what's going on? And she said, something's scratching me down here. And he said, it's because you don't hate your mother-in-law. You're born again. You don't hate your mother-in-law. Right? And so they talked about it some. Well, they were at the hospital. And they were getting ready to go to church. Or, the, excuse me, the, the hotel. And they were getting ready to go to church. And they got a phone call from this family. And said, can you stop by our house? Because they had a daughter that was epileptic. And just a baby. Worst case they had ever seen, according to, to the experts, and said, can you stop by and pray for the, the child? And they said, yeah, we'll stop. And he said on the way over there, he said, uh, the Lord spoke to him and said, you tell her when she gets there, if she'll forgive her mother-in-law, I'll heal that child. These were Pentecostal believers. They knew the power and the authority God had given them. But yet, here's this child being plagued with epilepsy, and nobody can do anything. 
Because there's an element of unforgiveness. Amen. And he went in and told her that, and boy, it didn't take her any time. She said, I forgive her. And then she turned to her child who was having that seizure and said, no, you don't, devil. I'm walking in love. I've obeyed the word. You left my child alone. And the child quit having the seizure. Instantly healed. Amen. Was still healed at the time of that recording. Hallelujah. 1 Corinthians 12. And, and, and notice, let's, let's look over here real quick. Um, in, um, let's look at verse 20. There are many members, yet one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you. Or again, the head to the feet, I have no need of you. No, much more those members of the body which seem more feeble are more necessary. The fullest expression of God's authority is found in the body. The body of Christ. And notice he said, the hand can't say I don't have need of you. And the head can't say I don't have need of you. Every part of your body submits to the other part of your body. All of your body submits to your, your mind, your brain. Amen. If, if there's a part of my body that's not submitted to the part of it that is in control, then, then that's called a dysfunction. A moving away from function. Is that right? A, a lack of submission to the authority of the mind. Hallelujah. That's the fullest expression of God's authority. Now, real quickly, we'll, we'll, have, we'll, we'll look at this real quick and then we'll, we'll be done. Manifestations of man's rebellion. Uh, in Matthew 12, notice Matthew 12, Jesus made a statement. The manifestation of rebellion is found in words and reasons and thoughts. Words and reasons and thoughts. Matthew 12 and 34. Notice what Jesus said. Familiar scripture, but he said, Generation of vipers, how can you being evil speak good things? For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. A person that's rebellious in heart will eventually be rebellious in words. Eventually. Genesis 3.3 tells us that Eve added to God's word, which is tantamount to rebellion. I'm adding to it, adding to the word of God. Many claim to accept God's direct authority, but reject delegated authority. You can't accept God's uh, specific or direct authority and reject delegated authority I got an email not too long ago from a, a, a person and uh, they they said who they were and, and I knew who they were and uh, they they uh, uh, go to a, ch a church that I know and uh, in the email they said you know I'm having trouble in my marriage and and I wanted to see if you could help me and and you know I've had people before say well you know you're a pastor I mean you're supposed to help them okay let, let me explain something real quick they have a person that they said God told them was their pastor. They don't want to go to that authority and get help. Matter of fact, in the email they said, please don't say anything because, you know, one, now no, now no, no. <laughs> you understand? They want to reject the delegated authority. See, that's, that's the danger. And, and I'll say this as I'm closing. That's the danger of coming up to somebody and saying, you're my pastor. Because when you say somebody's your pastor, all those scriptures that we've read in the Word of God about watching out for your soul and submitting to their authority and, and submitting yourself, all that comes into play. All of it comes into play. Amen. And so I get an email from somebody that said, this other man is their pastor, then I'm not your counselor. I'm not your counselor. 
Well, you know, my marriage is at stake. I, I, I don't have any authority to counsel your life. I've had people come and stand in this church and say, I need this. I say, well, where do you go to church? Well, over there. Well, that's where you need to go. Beep, beep, right? The, the Lord told Brother Hagin years ago, and I found, of course, I see it in the Word. He said, pastors need to be careful about counseling people that are not in their own flock. When, when you are sitting here today, you're sitting here in services. There's a flow. There's a flow that's going into your life. There, there is a benefit from being a part of where God placed you and having the person speaking over you that you say is your pastor. You're getting something that somebody that doesn't see it that way will never get. 